Oh yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a great point to, to, to dive in. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, there's, uh, uh, I want to respond to all of your points. Um, uh, cause they're all great. Um, as far as the technology thing, I mean, it's true that there has this, there has been, especially in the 20th century, it seems there was this emphasis on, on mechanization. And, and like you said, the, uh, adapting, uh, making the world adapt to us and, and not the other way around. Um, and however, inevitably, uh, this existing, this perennial, uh, flow, uh, of, of, of what worked or before we were ever, we ever existed, the, the mechanism, the, the machinations, I guess, of nature itself, mm-hmm. uh, the organic, uh, mechanization of the universe, even, um, uh, has, uh, just through the iterative process of innovation has emerged as, um, you know, the, the best solution, you know, just th- through brute force, uh, um, because as, as now we're in the 20th, 21st century, we've seen a lot of, uh, of, uh, attention or just the evolution of technology is becoming more and more acknowledging that natural forms and, uh, um, yes natural mechanisms, natural machines, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, had it right all along. Obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. the human body itself is a natural machine that, I mean, or, or calling it a machine is still a very mm-hmm. modern metaphor. Right. But, yeah. uh, um, but it's, it's a useful one. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I, I've heard criticisms of that. Even computation, uh, I think is a useful, I, I, I appreciate the fact that the common person now understands these ideas of, of, how information travels like bandwidth and, and because uh, um, it's important or, or just like uh, it's a great, it's a great metaphor to talk about a lot of, of a lot of things, but anyway. Um, yeah. I, and so I think it's inevitable. A similar current is happening in science, right? I think uh, relative to people who are more mystically inclined, we're kind of sitting back watching, you know, quantum physics continue to kind of realize that artists and, and mystical thinkers have been right all along for thousands of years, you know, this kind of, uh, this more intuitive awareness of, of the nature of, of reality of all of these Mm. things. Mm. Again, another component of this perennial stream for, or what, you know, I'm kind of now I'm, I'm jumbling up the various metaphors Mm. that have emerged in our, in our talk here. Uh, but, in the same way that in the uh, in the in the in the literal or in the physical uh, realm, the devices are starting to move more and more into this to be more ergonomically in, uh, designed, right? Which is organic shapes, um, uh, uh, borrowing more from nature, right? Um, the same thing has happened in the abstract realm, where uh, conceptions of the nature of reality uh, um, are 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 we're discovering that these mystical concepts, even all the way back to Hermes Trismegistus are, are, are oddly relevant in, in, mm-hmm. and, um, so it's an interesting kind of, uh, concurrent, uh, development there, which gives me, you know, hope at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, what else did I want to say? But as far, oh yeah, as far as music, I mean, I think one of the, um, what's so interesting is, there's the, the term in, 
I think even a kind of overused term uh, within this kind of new age or occult or mystical, this whole other, whatever, you, um, you know, idealist versus materialist. Let's maybe, let's maybe kind of distinguish it that way. Uh, this term resonance is um, applied very, I mean, it's a, it's, or energy is another one of these kind of mm. terms that is maybe yes, thrown yeah. around a little too much, you know, mm. or a little too loosely. Uh, mm. and, but um, resonance for me was always the one where like, because I, because of just, if, if dipping my toes back into the materialist side, knowing the technical uh, uh, um, kind of mechanism of resonance, well, I'm like, I, I'm always a little like, hey, you know, careful how you use that term. Um, well, how would you use it in this narrow uh, technical term? Okay. Uh, well, there's a you know there's a physical con or a concept in physics called sympathetic resonance, hmm. and this is um, employed in musical instruments, uh, but it's it's a it's a very real feature of acoustics. So the same concept applies to the example I used earlier in medicine, where bombarding uh, a, a gallstone with sound waves literally taps into that resonant frequency of the rock and causes it to vibrate and crush and shatter. And so that is a form of sympathetic resonance. Um, a sitar, the Indian classical instrument, uh, has, and in fact, there is probably even some uh, instruments, maybe even some traditional Irish instruments, or the not the bazooki, um, that's not a traditional Irish instrument, is it? No, they have the mandolin and the, uh, they use a version of the mandolin, the banjo and... and um, well, anyway, so there's these sympathetic strings that are yeah. on, a, on a sitar, for example, they're there and you never play them. They're never played. They just sit there and resonate because it's a physics. So uh, the classic, you could go on, on, on YouTube or something and find an mm -hmm. old, you know... Uh, kind of mad scientist little demonstration where he'll take a tuning fork. He'll take mm. two tuning forks. Mm. They're tuned to the exact same frequency, let's say 440 Hertz. Mm. And uh, he puts one, he puts them, you know, I don't know, let's say yeah. 10 centimeters mm. apart from each other. He bang, mm. he bangs one. Mm. And uh, the other one just been by, because of its proximity starts mm. vibrating sympathetically. Mm. Yeah, similar to the metro, metronome example and, and the synchronicity. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's but, a, but what, sorry, go ahead. So, so what, what is the bit that you object to or which version of the resonance is it that you would find? Um, it's not that I object to it. I'm just not being, okay. I'm, okay. I'm being just, a bit crazy. Which, which bit do you think we should distinguish? <laughs> which, is the, which is not resonance then, properly so-called? Well, what's, uh, maybe, maybe I misspoke. I don't mean to say, I'm not trying to be critical of it. I just think... No, okay. I, I, I'm just, it's a term... So. Well, what I love about hmm. this is that resonance is this concept that if you really unpack it from a from both sides of the aisle, so to speak, mm -hmm. someone who looks at it very technically versus mm -hmm. someone who looks at it very metaphorically, it's, it, it breaks down that distinction because mm -hmm. resonance is something we have emotional resonance, right? Mm -hmm. Where, uh, but resonance is also something that occurs in, in a materialist sense. So I, I uh, the literal and the metaphorical concept mm -hmm. transcend each other, which is to me is a, is a, is a, is a mm -hmm. fascinating, uh, mm -hmm just 
event. I don't know, yeah, yeah. for lack of a better word. And mm. it forms for, for me personally, my own mystical belief mm. system that is mm. ongoing. Well, uh, well my, my, um, when I started out the, after leaving the academy and law and, and being at home for looking after the kids and painting and, and, uh, I had intended to paint and write. That was the main things I wanted to do, but nothing got to do with anything I'd done before. So I really cut off. I burned my boats and burned the bridges and everything. I, I did that intentionally. No, I, I was doing very well on that, but I, I realized that I couldn't have connections or take contracts or, or I got offered a few con nice consultancies, nice places and all that. I didn't want to do that because I was, you know, I was concentrating on what I was doing. So I was painting. I was going to concentrate on that and do it seriously, and the write the writing. But I, I wasn't sure about what type of writing I was going to do. Mm. I, I did do one in Swedish, for example, on Strindberg, uh, um, and uh, I, I'd I'd probably work quite hard on that to get all together. The the grammar right and things like that is, is difficult. But um, but the the one that came to me was that was a book that called the Mystical Accord. Uh, and that what that that book, the 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 bits of it, the core of it came to me. The, the start of it, which was started off, and and it, it came to me in forms or kind of haiku forms in seventeen mm. syllables. Um, and you know, again, people argue about what, the the haiku people get very get very uh, protective <laughs> about the na nature. But for, in simple terms, for me. They began, it seemed, uh, statements came like the first one was that there was a certain failure in spiritual evolution or something like that. That, that was the start. It was about spiritual evolution. And it, it seemed to come out of the blue. And I, I began to get a few lines, and they you can say they came from the unconscious, they came from the right side, the left side, but they seemed, in a classic mystical sense, to arrive. They seemed yes. to be there. Yeah. And it seemed like an intervention. Now, it wasn't that anything that was there was inconsistent with my, what my intuition was, but it seemed to arrive fully formed. So, And also, it didn't seem to me at the time that that was the most important issue, that the central issue was there has been a certain failure of spiritual evolution. It just didn't strike me as the single burning issue. And I believe it to be the big burning issue. I believe that that is the biggest issue that there has been a certain failure of spiritual evolution. And that began to expand. And so I'd have lines come into my, my head. And if it was around 17 syllables, it would seem to be that I would see it as part of that, of that element and or sequence. Uh, and uh, I called it a mystical accord because a key concept was not of resonance, that comes in, but of accord uh, to the sense of, to come into agreement associated with uh, to be the heart and, and, and uh, but coming into agreement is the key, you know, to have an accord, to be in accord. And that's an idea that goes back to, to Pythagoras and, and again, the music of the spirits is a link with it. Mm -hmm. But the basic idea underpinning it is that we're, we're built to be in accord with, if you like, um, with, with the nature, with, with, with the ground, with the earth, with the, again, the, the Schumann residence and all that kind of stuff, which we've become very distant from. 
before that, I, we'd been in Australia and, and New Zealand for about three months and sleeping on the ground. And I think that, that impacted me uh, again because you really are getting in touch yes. with, some, with, with something different. Uh, in retrospect, I think that was important. It was also important that I wasn't thinking about anything because a key element for me in mysticism is the Holy Grail, which is the empty vessel. I think that the mystic, as opposed to the magician, empties themselves. You make yourself open. And in that way, you become, uh, you're open to reception. And that's, that's another, war, another translation of, of Kabbalah. The idea of reception is, is inherent in that. And, and I believe that that's about the ego not focusing on intention to achieve something in a spiritual or esoteric domain, as opposed to magic. And that's a different emphasis in magic. So the receptivity was important, not thinking about the thing. And then the things began to, to receive it, I suppose, like maybe in a satellite dish, whatever other analogies we could think of, the same going back to the boat, the, 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 the chamber, whatever. And it comes about easier if you become in accord with your, your physical surroundings, and there's an, what I call an accord agreement between your head and your heart where they, they begin to operate, not separately, you begin to become conscious of them uh, and you begin to take your ego out of the way. So, the, so the, the thing about transcending the ego is really not, not abandoning your ego, but not letting it operate in the domain in which it's going to be insightful. That you, you, the, the spiritual eyes can't see through that its own veil, mm. and the accord with the universe is that opening up. It's that it's the opening up to the higher dimension. Well, as we said, in the same way as you, the music comes or whatever that inspiration comes, the words themselves come. Mm. It's a similar. It's a similar thing. People don't emphasize this enough about Philip K. Dick that the state he's in is a receptive state. Yeah. So as opposed to, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to, or conjuring where you're, you're forcing the, the, the spirits to come, or you're, you're trying to master the universe. You're trying to impose your will on it. The mystics say you have to relinquish your will and be open. And in that opening, well, then if you're in the right state with your, physically and, and, and your heart and your head corresponds, well, then the channels begin to open up so that you come into accord with deeper resonance. And that deeper resonance is associated with an informing. Now, information, a lot of people say, well, the universe is information. We know about those theories, but it doesn't get you. Information is only part of something, informing something, forming something, making something, the patterns still must come out of that. The channels, but the channels between things. And so I used the idea of a chord. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a key, a central idea that came, that the mystical journey was about coming into a chord with yourself and, and, and your surroundings. And that, that was, uh, was so slightly different emphasis, but containing some of those, those, those elements. And the disturbed context is when you're vulnerable to those 
the glass being shattered by the, the high-pitched whatever, the, when you're vulnerable to allowing an intervention which you're not able to deal with because it, in the heart in its open form is able to deal with things that the head can't. It, 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 the unconscious is able to heal things that the cognitive part that the brain can't do. And we've, we're very poor at trusting in those things because we've been trained and educated to focus on the left brain, focus on a particular way of thinking, focus on identifiability, scientific thinking. And we have relinquished those elements, which are also ontologically and epistemologically valid. Because if you go back to Surawardi and the, 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 the Persian Sufis, mm. when he identifies knowledge, revelation is, is, a, is a source of knowledge. And this is the thing that science doesn't accept. Uh, the word gnosis is about knowledge, as we know. And the word agnostic properly used, it was used by Huxley. He said there was no knowledge that existed unless it could be scientifically proved. So there's a very specific meaning in the word agnostic. It's not just non-believing. It, it, right. it's, a, it's a higher level when they were trying to expand the idea of science beyond into what I'd call scientism. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So um, all the traditions have some sense of alignment uh, and and for me accord was that was the because if you're doing any 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 discipline you have to agree with yourself of course first, and that agreement has to correspond or uh, have some correspondence with the outside world and it has to the 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 agreement also has to be with the highest intelligences and the highest forms because a lot of people in this, sorry for going on so long, but just no, 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 so good. <laughs> a lot of it's very, very interesting. A lot of people, if you look at Terence McKenna, or a lot of people I know, are very interested in the, in the machine elves and and in all these strange creatures they encounter in psychedelic context. And and if you look at what the mystics say, they say you should stay away from those things because they're in a particular world. You should go through them. Like, like Evelyn Underhill says this, it's very important to move beyond it. They're not interested in those elements. Uh, so a, qu a question would be about agreement. What happens if you've entered into an agreement with some of these creatures? You, you, you can't speak to them. You don't know what their expectations are. Maybe when you go to the next, the next level, there'll be a whole load of your, your machine elves waiting for you and saying, yeah, you, but you agreed to come with them. I mean, I, I, I'm making a kind of serious point. There is a... Uh, there, there is a an aspect of spiritual uh, searching which tends towards the sensational, which is a kind of psychedelic or a, a representation uh, which is sensational, which you can perceive, which is easy to cognitively grasp. But the mystics don't; they they tend to avoid those because the the higher forms. Are not that manifest, and and and, and they're not interested in, in the, in the in say the, the Catholic mysticism, which they're very knowledgeable. They warn against getting involved in the in, in the mid world and things like that. So so, so there, um, we have to be careful about what we're coming into agreement with, and that's what the Faust legend in its Marlowe form is about. You're making an agreement. Are you sure you know what you're a Mephistopheles? Are you sure you know what? You're, you're doing here now if people consciously make that choice 
that's a different thing. But there's also those implied implied consents. You're, are you saying to the, that world on the Bardo plane here, I'll meet you again, I'm interested in, you know, uh, I, I don't make light of that, but, 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 but people presume that if these wor- worlds are ontologically real, they can venture in and out without any consequence uh, right. and that there's no implications of that. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. So that's, that's what the, so accord is an important, important concept for me. And I think it's the, it, it was the deep one that came to me. It was the best word I could, I could come up with when I looked at it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. No, it's an extraordinary, uh, it's, well, it's just listening to you unpack this word mm-hmm. accord and how, and, and you and how it arrived and everything. I mean, just, it may sound trivial, but I, 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 I can't avoid the, uh, the homophone of a chord, a musical chord, which is this yes. harmonious stacking or of a simultaneity of different resonances mm. that are in agreement with each other. And I mean, even like you were describing these different nodes, the universe itself, the mind, the heart, uh, similar to even the nodes of the chakras or something like this, you have yeah. this stacking, for lack of a better yeah. word, of... Uh, and and there is also the, I think it was Scriabin that wrote the mm-hmm. mystic chord. Yeah. Yes. Yes, so, the- so, <laughs> well, he, yeah. and he was super, he was very interested in, you know, synesthesia. Um, yes. um, yeah, he's a great musical mystic. Um, yeah. uh, it's funny, um, you know, uh, I... I have, uh, sometimes I put on old television programs in the background when I need to do something very tedious. And, and this, I don't mean to trivialize any element of what you said, but I can't help but think there's this, you know, you, you I'm sure have heard of the classic nineties American sitcom Seinfeld. And there's a great, there's a very funny, uh, uh, situation in that, in one of these episodes where, uh, his friend's girlfriend, he calls her like a low, he's a, she's a low talker. She talks like this all the time. She, you know, you always have to get really close. And yeah. it turns out she's a fashion designer and he agrees. I mean, she, he, he can't, he was at dinner with his friend and her and, he, and they're like, and she's, and he just, he's, he's embarrassed. And he just keeps saying, yeah, sure. Not knowing anything that he's saying. Yeah. And it turns out he's agreed to wear her new shirt design, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the puffy shirt. It looks like a pirate shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He goes on a on live television wearing this pirate shirt, and so it's it. I that was just the other day. It was on when I was doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's like I never actually, I never actually followed that, but my daughter's watching, so I looked as a result. We don't have television here. No, that's but probably a little smart. Open somewhere <laughs> out, yeah. But that, uh, but, but that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, I, I, it's I, a great I, premise. It's this premise of like. You're, you're, you know, uh, you're compelled because of circumstances to, even though you don't even know the full context in which you're making this agreement, like you said, mm-hmm. you, you, maybe you somehow have access for, mm-hmm. through some chance circumstance to mm-hmm. the Bardo realm or to immateria or whatever, whatever term you want to give it mm-hmm. or wherever these machines, maybe yeah. you, somebody gave you some DMT or something and you've met mm-hmm. the machine elves. If you're in the Terrence McKenna mm-hmm method of getting there. Uh, and that's fine. Um, but this is something I've been grappling with personally, uh, speaking of the word gnosis, because 
uh, you know, and this is, this is not something I, I share with just anyone. Uh, so <laughs> maybe I should uh, do a clapper here because I might want to edit this part, <laughs> this part out, but just between you and me, um, you know, over the year, there have been, there have been kind of ephemeral phases in my own life where I felt like, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, was this a Gnostic ex- or a Gnos- an experience of Gnosis or because everything that I experienced and every compared to everything I know about this state seems to coincide or seems to agree. And, and ever since then, this is a, a state that you feel like you chase after you've had, you've had these brief moments. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And for me personally, to, to get back to your notion of yeah. accord, my personal recipe, whatever, and this is something I've dedicated mm. more time than I care to even admit, trying to think and recall and understand the conditions mm. that led to this in my own life. It's like, it seemed to just be, I've always been a very kind of contrarian person, avoiding responsibility. This is how I became a musician and not a doctor or something, you know, I was, and uh, it's when I seem to just really commit to my internal stream of consciousness of what I, how I should be spending my time, what I should be doing instead of going off and reading another interesting book, or it's like, no, I should be doing this. And if I can somehow get into this stream of being in accord with this, Mm -hmm. this, this kind of perfect surrendering my, uh, uh, this is where I need to be. This is what I'm, it's all, I like to think of it as like, I'm a living composition all of these notes are in the right order and they need to be played at this time at this way. Mm. And if I, if I live my life that way, almost automatically, uh, mm. those are, whenever I'm able to muster that much discipline, no matter how trivial moment to moment, each one of these things may be, whether it's doing the dishes or balancing my checkbook, you know, mundane stuff. This is when, all of this stuff falls into place. And I have these experiences of, of gnosis when I have what we, my friends in the synchro mystical community call a sink, a sink storm where you experience an, uh, a deluge of synchronicities. And these have caused me when I was younger and less mature, they, I, I struggled with, with these, these, these led to uh, even experiences of that a, a psychiatrist would call psychotic episodes where you, you're so, you feel so in tune with the universe that it's almost overwhelming. Uh, um, but uh, what was, where was I going with this? <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's, I agree with what you're saying in terms about this difference between the magical application of one's will on the universe mm-hmm. versus yeah being the the receiver being the mystic and, 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 yeah and what you say is important because it's a, the, whether you want to call it left brain right brain or McGilchrist and the matter with things and or the mm. master and his emissary or whatever that discipline oh, yeah. is important that there's no question yes that discipline is very very important in Essential. it and maybe yeah and from a legal background um i i suppose uh you understand the power of rule to the power of, of, of context and absence that there has to be a disciplined element somewhere or the experiences can't be contained as the vessel for the 
for the right. for the experiences in some sense. And I suppose in Lurianic Kabbalah, it's uh, we have the idea of the broken vessel, which is inherent in the uh, in in the the, the structure of things, but. Uh, the dis- choosing the relevant discipline is important. And so there will be some discipline that everybody has to yes. engage in that is necessary to bring the music forth or to structure yes. the music, if you like, of their own life. A form, way, right? A, a form. You give a form, and that's, yeah. In, and that's the essential. Form it, yeah. the, the, the metaphor of the container, of the vessel itself, it's, it's mm. the form of content and... Yes. And in yeah. an abstract sense, discipline is is structure yeah. itself. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And for me, it's like I was. Uh, it's like it sounds almost silly saying it out loud. Sometimes it's like the more I behave like a responsible adult, the more I approach gnosis. If that makes it's it's, it's well, well, similar to that. Here, here's another. I remember when that when that first line came to me, and again yes. it started the whole process. So that that coming in to, to, to this is for your book, Mystical and the con- yeah, yeah, and, and all the subsequent ones that came from there. But it, it wouldn't because because I, I did start writing books, but they they never they never had wind in their sails. They weren't mm. writing themselves. They right. were kind of, you know, oh, you know, know they, when you hear those writers saying, "Oh, I struggle to," and I said, well, "I don't want to write like that. That's not what mm-hmm. I want to think to write." right itself yep. in some way um so it's it, it doesn't feel hard even though it's hard even though it's complex it doesn't feel hard there has to be an effortlessness about it in a zen way to to approach it so i remember going with my daughter to a play school now we kept them out of school as long as possible but she so we should just go for a few hours to a play school to meet all the kids and have fun and it was a kind of parent cooperative and all that kind of stuff so We'd, we'd be slow and, and, and it was nice weather. And I think there was the apple trees were beginning to blossom. So on the way, of course, we do what you should do. You'd be climbing the trees. So we were climbing the trees and getting late for school and, that and having great fun because there's nothing better than climbing, climbing trees, especially when, the, you know, so it was, there's this nice cultural place there and sun is shining climbing trees, late for school, happy days. And I left her off and um, then I was walking back. Now, the the point, the reason why I think I was receptive was precisely because I wasn't thinking about myself. Right. My attention was totally directed outwards. Yes. In the context, going there, looking much too far, you know, all the usual parental things. So because of that, you have that emptying of the vessel and the empty, emptying of the cognitive weight of things. A lot of mystical experience uh, is associated with light. I've, I've talked about that. But mm-hmm. if you're trying to reconcile the sensations of mystical experience from the Christian tradition and the Buddhist tradition, there's a, there's a difference because the Buddhists emphasize emptiness in many senses. Right. Uh, and... There's more emphasis on light uh, in in the Christian sense, uh, I, I think. There's both elements, but l- masslessness and lightness in that sense unifies them. The sense of no mass, of of no heaviness, no weight, and right. that's that's a, a characteristic of out of body experiences, uh, etc. So a lot of receptivity towards mystical experience is when 
by concentrating on something outside yourself, the weight of your own preoccupations disappear and the vessel itself becomes receptive to yep. receive. And that's, that, that's, a, a, that's an important thing because if you, if you, and again, in Philip K. Dick, he wasn't, he wasn't chasing anything. Certainly he was exploring intellectually using his head, but he wasn't chasing the mystical experience in, in, in context. He, he, he was receptive to it. He was, a, he was available to be healed. He was in the position of one of the characters in the German legends that was injured and were waiting for healing in many senses. So he has a wound, a psychological wound, that's ready to be healed by a feminine force. He fits into going back to Tristan and his old and all that kind of those stories. He fits into that as well. There's another dimension to it because because um, he's the one that's in the yin position receptor. Yeah. That's totally different, and and he's very honourable in that. He's very honourable in his for me in his mystical in his comprehension of mysticism. And then not over trying it, like he said, LSD twice, and one time it didn't work. But he 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 didn't persist in 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 that in that quest. His amphetamines right. were were kind of pra- more practical. Yep. He I think he, he he wisely saw that it wasn't going to come in that way. And no. and I, I think I, I think he a lot of people don't want to accept that. He never let go, or when when he after 1963, when he he kind of reclaimed his Catholic or not Catholic, an Episcopalian base, a Christian base, mm-hmm. he never let that go. And people underestimate uh, underestimate again. It's the sense of some higher force that you're using as the force that you agree with on a spiritual level. This is important. It's the same in Buddhism and the in in, in the Buddha nature. There's some force that you're identifying with. If you don't do that or have some direction, some sense of something which is is higher in some sense, you're either putting yourself in the highest form, which is why we get, say, Yuval Harari saying that we're going to be the intelligent designers. Uh, He's saying at the World Economic Forum Mm -hmm. that we are the we are the you know effectively the gods. there's no such thing as spirit, and we can use this this technology to, um, you know, to control evolution. That's that's the magician. That that's upside down. There's no higher intelligence than humankind there or the machine, and that that's where the Philip K. Dick never believed that. Whatever way, whatever he was willing to engage in, there was always some higher highest force, and associated with that is some sense of if you like humility or receptivity. And I think, I think they, that that's an important overall structural context. Sure. I mean, and um, I mean, it's interesting hearing your interpretation of what Dick went through, especially uh, his, you know, the, the two, three, seven, four, the yeah, two, three, yeah, 74, yeah. the whole exit, yeah. the content of the exegesis, mm-hmm. right. The, um, which I've read pieces of i've never made it all the way yeah, through yeah, yeah, uh, i've yeah. listened to some of it as well yeah. um uh but uh i mean if not ch- i mean just for my own kind of clarity like if not chasing this uh experience and and kind of sustaining this um position of 
being uh, a recep, you know, or a receiving, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what was he, what was he doing that whole time in terms of writing so prolifically privately yeah. in terms of his desire to was well, it afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a, a classic consequence of mystical experience near that experience out of body experience is that the person spends a long time, if not the rest of their life, interpreting what happened right. to them. Right. Uh, so it's affective and it also is re- affects their cognitive interpretation. Hmm. And we know that people, um, there can be a difficulty about that because the person has changed uh, the difficulty about sept- uh, accepting the status quo ante and, and what their life was. It can be very difficult for people accepting that it's a positive, liberating experience in general. But by definition of it being ineffable and difficult to interpret, yeah. And being a mysterious process, it has the impact on the person, but it's inexplicable. And uh, I suppose, as they say, Philip K. Dick is trying to make the ineffable effable. <laughs> he's, right. trying to, he's, trying to, he's trying to articulate. It was very important for him. He believed it was very important to rationalize what happened. Right. And, 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 and that was an important part. He believed that the rationalization was very important in as part of his mission. So, so that's why he said, now the exegesis, he wasn't intending to, to publish that. So he, but he did reflect it in books like Valas. And that. Yes. But, but that phenomenon of trying to understand it is, is characteristic of, of, of what all, all the mystics do when they go to that stage. And I've characterized it in, in the mystery of the trap light as a, a stage where uh, there's, the, the, there's different levels where a person has a connection with the mystical domain as a constant or a constant possibility after a certain stage. <coughs> so it may happen again to them or elements of, of them again. Uh, his experience, her, his writings from 63 were based on his perception of evil in the world. Uh, and his after 74 was based on that intervention. And that's the classical a mystical, um, uh, in, uh, mystical experience of an intervention of something coming in from outside. Uh, what does this mean? How can I uh, understand? And I also think that in California at the time, people rejected I- ideas of, 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 or were rejected ideas of God, the yeah. Judeo-Christian God, and they were saying, okay. So he didn't want to reject that. Right. He wanted to represent it. Okay, like because uh, sorry for coughing, by the way, I didn't say excuse me. I was no, it's okay. But uh, no problem. The the um, what he he was trying to do was to maintain the reality of it mm. and not get lost in, in, in the jargon. Because if you have a mystical experience from a higher intelligence, uh, there's two there's two relevant things. One is discerning whether the higher intelligence is a benign force. And that's, a, right. that's irrelevant because, because if you believed in Araman or the devil or Lucifer, or whatever, by definition, they're more intelligent and they can manipulate you and play to your, your weaknesses and strengths. And, and so they don't have to be going, 
they can be you know very nice and persuasive and tell you things and give you power so 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 the discernment is important you can't discern unless you have a frame of reference so if you ask me about is this good music or whatever or so there has to be some frame of reference in which i can interpret you know your, your answer yeah. discernment it, it requires an ability to compare it to something that you consider as good or bad if you don't have them it's going to be difficult uh, to interpret and the second thing is that this message could come likely has come if it is a higher intelligence from an extraterrestrial uh, or a spirit you don't you don't know so right. one doesn't know and whether it comes from them or not doesn't really matter right if your discernment tells you that you have learned something from this which is consistent in my view with the perennial say perennial philosophy where is where all the uh all the traditions say similar things about compassion yes. and, and so if the core thing is there um you should be easier to, to to exercise discernment so he didn't have any problem with the life affirming element of this so his efforts to reinterpret the nomenclature of the divine uh perhaps explains some of his approach as well as his his use of the gnostic texts and his sense through talking with bishop pike right that early christianity had been distorted by the hiding of of certain certain documents that were taken out by the church later on wow yeah okay that makes a lot more sense um yeah i mean getting getting back to uh some of the the just the previous points in terms of like having the mystical experience and and chasing it and or or especially uh if you you know less mature and you and you in, in encounter these it is a typical uh response i think to to want to 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 chase it or to to figure out what it was understand it yeah. and as i've gotten older for myself uh, mm-hmm. and have had now successive experiences that were fleeting uh in the moment i'm always I, i'm imbued with this extraordinary sense of confidence because it's just like I, I feel like you know the the veil has been lifted and you're seeing you're you're perceiving uh um that hidden layer or that you know of truth or of reality but of course it's the classic kind of uh you know uh downfall too is where you you think you can take that leap and then you just it's like you know and you fall to the ground instead instead of flying and yes. uh, and ever since and since I've had that last experience, I'm always wondering to myself, you know, is there a cost to the rest of my life now with this awareness and I'm not, and knowing how to, <clears throat> how to act on it, but, and, but not necessarily doing so, if that makes sense, like, hmm. am I going to be punished <laughs> for, possessing this knowledge and not necessarily using it uh or or, or making the mo- the best and honorable and honoring the the privilege of have of possessing that knowledge it's it's mm-hmm. kind of like 
am I cursing myself or am I, is, is it, is it, um, because I, I, f- I feel like I've put enough thought into this and, and had enough experience with this for, for my own personal version of this is relatively clear to me. And it's, but every day I get up and it's like, well, you know, this day I still, I didn't honor that, that discipline that you mm. use. That yeah. you well, well, let, let me, let me mention the dark side, which I, which I yeah. have in the, in the more macro sense. Um, my belief is, from an intellectual basis and a mystical basis, that we are in the end of times, that, that, that what is happening is that, if you like, corporate interests mm-hmm. are trying to, and, and in that sense, that includes communist and capitalist, the, the corporate form, um, are trying to colonize human consciousness. Uh-huh. That's what that, that that's where we're, we're at. So we're at this stage of King Leopold when he has a convention in the 1880s in, in or 1880s, I think, in, in Belgium, when he brings the people together and says, "We're you know we're going into." to progress the people of the Congo, which leads to millions of deaths in, in, in the Congo, which leads to the heart of darkness, you know, which leads to apocalypse now. Mm-hmm. This is the stage, the going into the jungle and apocalypse now, the going into the heart of darkness up, up the river, the invasions of the Congo for the fiefdom of King Leopold, uh, creating stations in there, sl- enslaving the people. The same idea is being applied to human consciousness. The systematic exploration of correlations in the human mind have been going on for decades. In the 1920s, uh, J.D. Bernal, the famous crystallographer, um, explained how the humans would be mechanized in future and uh, so he preempts or explains or preludes to transhumanism and also that those that wouldn't comply would live in a human zoo. And that idea is, is, is a deep a deep idea. Now we have, say, the World Economic Forum explaining with the fourth industrial revolution at Swab that it's about getting into your brain, mm-hmm. uh, getting inside you. Now, as that happens... Humans 2.0, humans and the transhuman, the post-human, they're not humans. The Homo sapiens is finished. And that's that's what Harari says. This is the last generation, if you take that. Now, if you take the spiritual traditions, uh, this you, you can come to two conclusions. You can say transhumanism is consistent with the divine plan. Or you can take the other possibility that, which I would, that what this is is the classic idea. It's if you, in Christian terms, it would be Satan saying, "Here, you can have all this, all the material world." Uh, it's the Aramanic concept in relation to Persian thinking. It's about the material world, and Steiner warned about this that science was the Aramanic force in the world. It's the undue emphasis on the material, 
and the so the, the only sole ability or reduction of the ability to tear up the world to the materialist form. So they're openly saying this, and this is all goes back as well to H.G. Wells and his books, which are called conspiracy theories, but his books, The New World Order, and uh, that was what his book was, uh, and The Open Conspiracy. And it's not an open conspiracy anymore. You're getting these chips inside your body, or you're getting these devices inside your body, there's patents for things. Now, as that happens, the, the libertarians say, oh, this is great, you know, we can be immortal. The few will be immortal, if you like, or can, can live in that, but that's not the intention for the mass. Having established a precedent of global control of your health, uh, the precedent is there for the global control of the insertion of technical means in you to control you, to modify your behavior, to stop you doing things, to track you. Now, once we go over that border, once they apply the technology that John C. Lilly uh, was investigating, uh, about the human brain in interface. He said it wouldn't take too long. It may not be an insert. It could be a chip inserted uh, in your body. It could be uh, broadcast waves that, that, that are increasing their ability to entrain the brain. They've been working, the CIA have been working on this in a number of uh, projects from 1952 through MK Ultra, but a whole load of them. There's a whole load of recognized projects they've been working on. So if you accept that that we're at that point now, well, then the question is, what is uh, what is the uh, what is the response of the spiritual traditions? The religious traditions are not responding to this issue. There's there are individuals in the different ones, but they are exceptional. The uh, there isn't any. For example, from Judaism, there isn't any uniform critique of a uh, fundamental critique of this. Uh, Catholicism is all for this, uh, incredibly. There's some Protestant ones which are again are against it. There's some traditional Catholics which are against it. And Islam is too decentralized to have a uniform approach. So we're not going to get help from the religious structures. They haven't provided sufficient uh, critique. The only one that has, I think, is is the Russian Orthodox, funny enough, uh, mm. which is interesting, which is very interesting. Um, so uh, it, it, this, and, and if you look at some of the critics of the Catholic Church, from the Catholic Church, uh, Father Mal Malachi Martin, for example, who wrote interesting novels and books about the Jesuits, and uh, he, he was very, very clear about that they were established in the new world order. They were part of the process. They were, they didn't believe in God and that anymore. It's quite a remarkable story. But anyway, the, so what, what the transhumanists, World Economic Forum, those are saying, there's no such thing as spirit. It doesn't exist. Right. And it's gone. And this thing, and it will be gone. If you're physiologically controllable, it will be impossible to exercise that free will that's necessary to create the conditions to have a spiritual evolution. So they can effectively uh, entrap elements. Now, I don't know how that works in, in, in the broader sweep of time, but the ability to act in a way that we have evolved to or being created to, whichever way you think, can, can survive. So 
the question for me is very, very simple. We're at that point now. So for me, and I, and I believe in that fundamental, I haven't looked at as much sources as I can, there is no greater issue. So the issue will be, the issue will be, now I'm not afraid of that. People say, oh yeah, it must, you know, it sound like you're, that they interpret as anxiety on my, I've no fear about that. I've no, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, fear is not a motivating factor for me. Um, but I'm clear that, that that's, that's, that's a real danger. It's a, and again, going back to my, there's been a certain failure of spiritual evolution. It's a dangerous failure of spiritual evolution. That that's what the causative factor in the way we conduct business in the world, in the war machine, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so the, so the, so the only thing I have to worry about <laughs> is that we're at the end of the spiritual man. If 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 this if this happens, you won't have a choice. Uh, you won't have a choice to opt out. Everyone is surreptitiously been forced to take a mobile phone. I've managed to avoid it, yeah. But you, you see that you're being forced to in China, for example, social credit system. Same thing when this, uh, the mass implantation is not going to not happen. And at that point, human changes. So, so, so the only issue I say that is relevant is this. It's the protection of the human spirit. It's the need to assert, vindicate, accept that its existence. Uh, and there may be an evolutionary point that if people don't think it's important, evolutionary it will die off like like some animals have died off. It, it, it's uh, so on, on an individual level. Um, my my response, particularly apart from the macro level, is my belief is that the reason or where you get in your spiritual evolution determines what happens afterwards. I think that that's, the, that's what all the sages, the seers say, that you're putting yourself into a position that you want to be afterwards. That in the, in the landscape of the afterlife, that you're signaling to it where you want to be or where you are or what, who you are. That, it, that it's a reflection of where you have got to uh, in your spiritual journey, which is why I, I do like the, the Christian idea of forgiveness or the, or the, the robber on the cross. It doesn't matter, you know, you, you recognize something. And that's the key thing is the recognition. It's the movement on to a different cognitive uh, thing. So it's not, it's, not, it's not about the application. It's about the one's own assertion. And that assertion is also relevant to changing the world because... As people, it's a bit like in that um, Peter Pan, you know, every time you say don't believe in a fairy, another one dies. There's, there's, there's a deep logic in that. It's a kind of uh, like a quantum recognition or entanglement. Um, so I believe that, that, that that's the dark side. There's no getting away from that. And I'm, I'm really convinced from all the things I've, uh, I've done that we're in, we're, we're in that, that phase that strangely, the religious people who pontificate about these things don't seem to have recognised that that's that's what the what the apocalypse is about. Actually, hmm. 